Seth, um, thank you for being here today. I wanted to have a different style video, less of an interview and more of a discussion with you, um, covering relationships, love, finding yourself. You're a longtime friend, yeah. marriage and family therapist. I value your opinion greatly, so thank you for doing this today. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, also I wanted like to have a free therapy session. This was a good way to go about it. Yeah, Adel, I told you. I don't see friends. Okay, well, we'll just dive right in then. Let's talk. I love meeting people. Okay. Just in general, I've always loved people. But I really love that people come to me feeling so stuck in their issues and watching their lives change. People who feel like they can't get out of addiction, they're trapped in anxiety, that they're very depressed, or people who just want to explore themselves and better themselves and understand themselves better. And I love being on that journey with them. I think it's amazing. That's amazing. I actually feel good every day. I, I get to leave work every day feeling so good. Not, not always good in terms of what's going on in people's lives. It's right. hard and, and especially now people are having a very tough time and you take on a lot and I do my best to self-care, you know, to do my own self-care around it. Yeah. But um, watching people's lives change for the better to me is the most amazing thing and seeing the potential in people for me is amazing. I really feel great. I, I love what I do. I couldn't be happier. I love that. Therapy is a good way to really get yourself unstuck, to, to explore what the idea of finding yourself means and, and to be open to the idea that it is a constant journey, that we are changing all the time, that we are not consistent as people, right. meaning that we can shift over the years and that's okay. So you're never really found. I think that I have a good sense, I would argue if I was looking at myself, right, that I have done a lot of work on myself and I right. have a good sense of who I am. But I'm still open to the world and, and, and accept that I'm going to constantly sort of change as I get older and I've changed as I become a parent and I am available to the world in a way where sometimes I shift because my, you know, philosophies shift or, or Maybe I, I start to see the world differently because you get to different areas of your life where different things happen and you yeah. start to see the world through a different lens and that's okay. Right, collective experience or whatever, like just a bunch of experience change. I guess I hate the idea of thinking like you are stuck in a certain thing, right? Like I am now this and this is who I am because I think that's what makes you stuck and even growing. Right why you show up in therapy in the first place, right? right. I, I'm stuck in these areas and I can't get out of it and my hope is that I can sort of grow, right? And it's wonderful. But constantly be open to that, just as I am. Right, okay. How do you know when a relationship is really done? Well, sometimes the person just tells you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's so upsetting and also very true. What we do often when we have conversations is we, you have a conversation with me or we're debating something, you and I have been friends for a long time and you're looking for an opening to sort of best you. And that if you can look at it very differently, which is that is not my objective. My objective is to understand who you are, right. to understand your point of view. You look at politics right now and it's so divisive. 
And when you really have conversations with people, sometimes you realize that, well, it's actually not as polarized as you imagine it is. Right. When you speak with someone and you find out why they think the way they think, that sometimes you end up that you're even, you have the same views about a certain topic, but you go at them from different angles. Do you think that one of the greater breakdowns in relationships is that people are just truly not, like just straight up not listening to the other person. They're like kind of acting like they're listening, but they're not. I think it's this. I think we each have a way we look at the world and we believe that that is the same way everyone should look at the world. And when someone doesn't, we don't know how to deal with that, right? It feels like it becomes moralistic. Right. That becomes an issue of right and wrong. That I get angry and when I get angry, it takes me four hours to get over it, and when you get angry, you forget minutes. about it in 30 minutes, right? And yeah. so you say, let's talk. And I say, I don't wanna talk. And you're like, what do you mean? I care about this relationship, but I wanna talk. And I say, I'm angry. So rather than making it a moralistic thing, well, no, I'm better because I wanna work on this relationship, you accept that people have different uh, ways of dealing with those feelings. Right. So rather than it being a, a, a argument about trying to convince the person why they should have the conversation right now, you accept that it takes you four hours, so take those four hours and when you're done, let's right. have a conversation about it. And, and, and that speaks to so many things in relationships where we all have different ways of approaching parenting or things in the relationship that are different because we were raised in different homes and we feel differently about them. But then, I, how, But how do you know when it's not when you shouldn't be working on that relationship anymore. Well, if it's a relationship where you there's no longer respect, right? You don't like each other anymore. You're not having sex anymore, and and one or both seem unwilling to even try to do the work to hear each other differently. Then the relationship is you know not sustainable. Okay. Surely not a healthy relationship. Right. But it's okay. There's relationships are going to have issues without a doubt. I, mean, I right. obviously do this work a lot and. And often the biggest problem is a communication issue and what I see as a moralistic issue where we, we decide that the way we see life is the only way that anyone should see life and therefore if the other person doesn't, we're not a good fit, we're not compatible, I'm sorry. Right. right, okay. There's no way my wife and I would have survived 20 years of being together if we didn't learn that. Right. If we didn't learn that it's okay that we are raised it, we were raised in very different homes. Right. We have different ways of communicating, and we have different ways of parenting at times. Right. And although you need to be on the same page to some degree, you don't always have to be in agreement with the way you parent. Right. That when I put my kid to bed, I do so differently than she does. Right. And she might be irritated that, I don't know, that I spent 10 minutes doing it and I told the kids to go to sleep. And I may be irritated that she spent two hours doing it and my daughter decides she was hungry at 10 o'clock at night right. so she's making mac and cheese and we could spend the next, you know, 18 years of the kid's life sort of arguing these things. And right. then you realize there's some things that just, if the kids are safe and happy and healthy and they learn to have different relationships with each of you, so what? That's okay. Right. What do you think this whole new ghosting is about? So, I think ghosting has probably been around since the beginning of dating. Right. When there uh, were literal ghosts? When there were... <laughs> when every house was haunted. <laughs> but, but I think ghosting is, is taking on a different life. <laughs> You're right? <laughs> I, don't know why I think 
<laughs> Go Sir Olden Day. So the problems with dating apps are the, prob the, the negatives to social media, the negatives to seeing the world only through a 2D screen where you stop looking at a person as a 3D human being and it becomes very easy to discount them. Right. That being said, I do think it opens you up to a world that you normally wouldn't be able to have access to. You used to be limited by the people around you, yeah. right? You were dating only in your very local yeah. area. Your village, your block, your friends, the friends of friends, and that was sort of, you know, what you had access to. And in some communities, your cousins. <laughs> that is true. Right. So, <laughs> and that was problematic on a lot of levels. So It's where a lot of our neuroses come from. <laughs> and allergies. Yes. Yeah, well, this is why you should intermarry. So, so the the pro the the Positives in it are that you get to open your world up. The negatives are that you stop looking at people as, you know, whole 3D uh, yeah. human beings, and it's very easy to swipe away a computer. That being said, a, a you know a picture on a screen. That being said, you still have to go out on a date. Yeah, that's it does true. not take away from the idea that if you had swiped me on an app, that you and I have to sit down across from each other and date just as we did when dating began. I mean, a lot of that makes sense, I guess. Do you think then, and I wasn't even planning on discussing this, but do you think that same kind of callous 2D, two-dimensional swipe is also what's making men so forward? Like, I feel like from what I'm hearing about the dating scene is like we're skipping so many of the necessary mm -hmm. steps for like um, intimacy. Or and people are just, maybe. courtship. Courtship, I yeah. I feel like you're saying there's... Courtship. Okay. And just like straight to, you know, I don't, I, this might go on YouTube, so... <laughs> I, but like, I mean, yeah. what's happening there? It's a major problem. So it's possible that because you have access to so many people that you are more callous in how you would speak with them, that you take risks you normally wouldn't take. Yeah. And again, the same problem with treating people like objects, that they are computers, you know, they're, you know, images on a screen and you can swipe away and you can say something really crass or you can, yeah. you know, sort of put it all out there. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. It can be a problem without a doubt. I think people have always been problematic, but sure, it highlights it. It, this is a theme that comes up all the time in my video, multiple videos and multiple because of, you, you know, like I referenced the divorces. I think the only way truly to survive like this game called life yeah. and, and anything is like you have to be able to, to some degree, be able to laugh, joke. That's how you move through it. Absolutely. And, and not become like a bitter asshole at the other side. That's right. You don't want to be a bitter asshole. You move through it without it, but it helps. With likability. Right. With likability. <laughs> it's important um, to remain likable. Yeah, it, it is. For me especially. I want to be liked by all people. Do you think most people want everybody to like them? No. I think that you and I particularly right. enjoy being liked or, yeah. or, or feel more slighted when someone doesn't like us or take yeah. it personally. I know that it was work that I had to do around, you know, uh, work I had to do on myself around that issue that yeah. I used to care more. I still care about people and I obviously care sort of how I present in the world right. and, and, and it's important to me that I'm you know, kind and that I'm compassionate. 
but that someone chooses not to like me for whatever reason, I can sit with that now and be and be okay. I, I am not better about that. Yeah. How does one get better about that? I see what I'm trying to do with the free therapy. Yeah. Yeah. You really. So I'm slick. So. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good question. It's a fair question. It's not you know I don't have to be your therapist to be able to answer the work that I think anyone can do, which is. The more you become okay with who you are, the less important it is for every person to like you because you no longer internalize those feelings. Right. I don't have to identify with someone's negative take on me. Right. I, I, I'm comfortable with who I am, I know who I am, and if someone doesn't like me for whatever reason or has an issue with something I did, one, I, I do always look at it, right? I always look at my part in things. But if after doing that, I look at my part in it and there's some issue, well, that's all I can take care of. Right. I'm no longer responsible for that and it doesn't speak to who I am. You don't make it mean anything. Why, why should it mean something? Right. Okay. Fair it enough. doesn't mean that it's not still there, right? I think you and I both have had childhoods that probably caused us to care more about, you know, the way people think about us. Middle child. And so we're... <laughs> So we're, you know, the slights can hurt more. Right. Um, I think we both like to be liked. If I walk in, I don't know, a DMV and the person at the DMV isn't smiling, like all I can think about is how to make them smile. Oh my God, do the same that thing. That is like my thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't even care what I'm doing. That becomes my goal and it feels like a win for the day. Um, I love that. I read a stat once that said that across every like socioeconomic, different parts of the world, different um, nationalities and all variables, didn't matter what it was, the universal thing that all children need to grow up relatively happy and or well-adjusted is love. That if those children are loved, they'll be pretty much okay. Do you think that's true? I, I think I'm thinking of that documentary that I saw on an airplane, uh, Three Identical Strangers. Oh, yeah. It was so sad and hard to watch for so many reasons. But essentially, the, I think the one who fared the best, right, came from the loving home. It was irrelevant economically how they were doing. It was I, that the loving parent was the one who really helped him fare the best. And that the best thing you can do for your child is to obviously love them and care for them and be as attuned as you can to them and also own up to making mistakes. Right. I make mistakes all the time. I'm not a perfect parent, but I discuss it with my kids. If I, if I, there's a funny example that, that uh, I guess I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know if it makes sense or not, but uh, if it speaks to this or not, but I, I, I go to the tailor, the tailor is confused about how to shorten my pants. I'm explaining it to the lady. There's a language barrier. It's sort of a comical me half an hour of dealing with the tailor and I get back the pants and I put them on and they're like up here. And I was like, oh man, I, I decided to buy these pants that were expensive that I was treating myself and what, what can I do now? You can add fabric back. Right. So I was in the car like, oh, this sucks and I was annoyed and I'm driving with the kids and my daughter did something, something innocuous. I, she sang, she made a noise, whatever it was and I, I sort of yelled at her to be quiet and I turned around and I was like, it was so unfair. So I said, you know, Sydney, I, I just yelled at you right now and I realized you did absolutely nothing wrong. Right. I said, that's displaced anger. I was so irritated by the tailor 
And I didn't tell her because I'm not good with sometimes right. telling someone I'm disappointed. And so I got in the car and I yelled at you. And not only did she understand it, because I wondered, like, did that make sense to her? She later explained it to her brother when they were having an argument. Asher, you're just upset because <laughs> mom took away your video game and you're taking it out on me. She got it. Because you own up to your mistakes. Yeah. You, 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 you talk about being a human being. I feel like we used to be parented in a way where our parents told us it is because it is, right? Right. But why? Because I said so. Right. And if they ever made a mistake, they didn't sit down and have a conversation with us about the mistakes they made. Yeah. And I don't know if they were as self-reflective. Uh, it was a different generation. Uh, both of us are from big chaotic homes. Right. So you didn't get that. So I'm very aware of that. And, and so that's how I have fixed my, you know, parenting. I, with my children, I don't have them on social media. I've allowed for, they use phones and they play Roblox and to some degree they're starting to get in some social media world, even if it's not Instagram, because their friends are in it. And then right. I'm left in the position of having to, having to decide whether I'm saying you're not allowed to use this and therefore you can't have the relationship with your friends. That is sort of a new way that people are interacting. Right. So am I totally cutting them off from what is normalcy for their generation? Right. And then in our COVID generation, let's call it, we're limited to where we can go and therefore my kids are even more isolated from their friends and this is the only way that they can interact. Right. So my job as a parent is to monitor the best I can and to teach them that there's times you can be on it and this is the limit and that we all put our phones down at a certain time and right. we work on the amount of time we use it and I have to do the same for myself. So the onus is on us, each individual, the, the feeds that we curate, the people that we follow and then as parents, how we regulate our kids. Absolutely. Right. It doesn't mean that it's an industry that shouldn't be regulated. It should be. Right. But I can't change policy. Right. I can only deal with my own relationship to it and what's going on in my home and the way my family uses it. Right. So that's my limitations right now. And as a result, I use social media. I love the idea that because of it, I'm able to see so many people in the world that I wouldn't normally have access to in terms of therapists I love and I can see what's going on with my friends who are spread out all over the world I normally wouldn't be able to see uh, you know what's going on in their lives daily and then I'm able to suddenly demystify therapy because right. of social media right. you and I are having a conversation right now that's going to be played on whatever social media platform you put this right. and that gives people access to information they wouldn't normally have and all of a sudden I'm able to demystify and pull the veil away from psychology and therapy and the fear around it because of social media so there's some good I like that you're right you're right I think there is a line and I think the line isn't necessarily in the amount of work you do, right. but your relationship to yourself. You, you and I have had this conversation privately many times. Yeah. I think it's really important to look at the relationship you have with yourself, to look at the way you look at beauty, to, to be honest about the unhealthy ways in which you pick yourself apart. And I don't just mean you, I mean no, I any of us. Well, I was and gonna put you on the spot and ask you point blank, do you think I have an un unhealthy relationship with beauty as it pertains to myself. I think that you do have an unhealthy relationship to it, that you are 
constantly questioning. So I, I right. don't think you're trapped in it and not self-aware. I think you are constantly battling between the idea of let's have a filterless life, let's be more honest about who we are, let's accept each other for our inner beauty and our outer beauty and that everything doesn't have to look perfect to be beautiful. But that you also beat yourself up apart because whatever early messages you have or whatever right. messages you've internalized. Right. And I think that, you know, you know there's work to be done. Yeah, that's true. We all have areas we need to work on. True. I appreciate your honesty. I'm not going to say that I got like a free therapy session because you don't see friends. Yeah. But I felt like I learned a lot and I just so appreciate you sharing some of your insight with me and being here today. I appreciate your friendship and your, your, uh, your insight. Well, thank you for saying that. It makes me feel great. I appreciate yours. I was also promised food, which like not even a snack or anything. There's that, like a budgetary issue uh, and I don't, we're not going to get into it, but. I'm an usher. You know I'm an usher. That's how I self-soothe. I thought about putting food here, but then I knew you'd be crunching the whole time. And I knew you'd be worried about crumbs on the carpet, you right? You would get crumbs on the carpet. I know you and would. And I wouldn't. I would be careful. No, no. I would put the no, whole no. thing in my mouth no, so nothing would be would careful, fall, and then but you would yell and blame me. No, you'd go, ooh, and then it'd fall, and then you'd go like I this, would. and then your mic would sing. I, and I wouldn't. I very carefully. I would use my hands as a plate. Oh, during an interview, you're going to I would do a hand plate. No. 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 Okay.